You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, I'm partner and certified elder law attorney, Barbara McGinnis, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. You've decided to get your affairs in order, so how do you know who to call? There is an attorney on every corner, but how do you pick the one that's right for you? What questions do you ask? How do you prepare for the meeting? That is what we're going to be discussing in today's episode. Joining me for the discussion is fellow partner and attorney, Chris Johnson. Hey, Chris. Hey, Barbara. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being <laughs> part of the show. Um, so how, how do you suggest um, a person go about researching an attorney and finding one that's just right for them? Uh, that's a great question. And I think when people think of looking uh, for a professional and researching, I mean, we all think these days, well, I'll go to Google. <clears throat> I'll get on the internet and do my research. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I always think more information allows for a better decision, but I don't think that should be the only thing people do. Uh, you can look at people's ratings, look at their reviews. You can read a bit about them. There's so much information on the internet, um, but there's also a lot of information that might be tough to make heads or tails of. And so the other place that I would really emphasize people looking is talking to relatives, talking to friends, talking to someone who might have gone through the similar situation, see who they use, see if it was a positive experience or a negative experience, but get that feedback from trusted people. You can reach out to relatives, you can reach out to other professionals such as financial advisors, certified financial planners, uh, your doctor may even know someone. And then what you can do is cross-reference what they give you with what you find on the internet and kind of make sure everything lines up. And then at the end of the day, when you sit down and meet with the attorney, you want to have a comfort level with them. You know, if the meeting does not go well or you don't feel like they were engaged, they weren't listening to you, uh, to me, that's a, a critical aspect is sitting down with them and saying, okay, this person hears me. They understand my problem. They have a, a roadmap ahead of how it's going to get better. And when you get the intersection of all three of those things, I think you're going to find you've probably found a pretty good attorney. So, Thanks, Chris. That's a, that's a lot of information in a, in a lot of different ways of researching to find uh, an attorney that's right for you. Um, one thing I, I think people should be made aware of, a lot of folks already know this, but when you go to Google, just because somebody's at the top of the list, you need to make sure they're not top of the list because they've paid to be there. How does somebody, you know, if you're pulling up a page, you're searching, hey, estate planning lawyers or elder lawyers near me, and what's the important block to look at? Well, I think when you're looking at who's paying to be there, one, you'll see every once in a while those those top 
people will have little very, it's almost grayed out, but you'll see the word ad next to them or sponsored. And that's a key indicator that they're paying to be there. Now, that doesn't necessarily make them bad. There's business reasons why someone would pay to be there. It just means just don't default to that person. You still want to dig a little deeper because people can pay for all sorts of different reasons and go down and look at their star rating. Go down and just like you would before, read about you know who they are, what they do and cross-reference it. What you don't want to do is, is make these decisions on single data points. And so what Google realizes is most people never click past the first page of Google. And in the first page, usually people look at those first two or three entries. And that's why you'll notice the ads are usually two, three, or four right at the top. And there isn't any point in really selling ads beyond that because they, they know, hey, it's only the top two or three that matter. So you just look for those key indicators. And like anything else, you cross-reference what you see there with other trusted resources, friends and family, their reviews. And I always say, you know, everyone puts their five-star reviews front and center. What I tend to do is I go Go straight to the one and two star reviews because you'll know really quickly. You can read a one star review and know did that business do something wrong, or maybe was the consumer a, a, a little bit uh, unable to be helped, and, and you know they were in a position where you just couldn't satisfy them. And I always joke: if you see the review and it's written in all caps, you might take it with <laughs> a grain of salt. Or when you say you know they they didn't they didn't do any of the work. When I say don't do any of the work, they didn't let me engage with them. Well, there are all sorts of reasons why an attorney might not let someone hire them. And there are conflict checks that need to be done. Uh, there's expertise that's required. The attorney just might have felt like this, their problem isn't something that fell in my wheelhouse. And unfortunately, it's just part of the business. Sometimes that can really upset the consumers out there. And it really shouldn't. Uh, if an attorney's unable to uh, you know, provide them the service they're looking for, I think the very best thing that attorneys do is when they know they can't do it, hey, I'm going to put you on to someone who can help you. Uh, And so sometimes that upsets people and you just have to read into those reviews a little bit. But if you read a review where it says, listen, I hired them, I paid them, and I never heard from them again, that's a red flag, as the kids would say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's say um, the person, the prospective client has found a law office. They're going to wander in there and uh, schedule an appointment how should they prepare for that meeting? What do you think? Oh, I think that's an excellent uh, question because I don't think most people think about preparing for the meeting. I think they go into that meeting thinking, well, the attorney will tell me everything I need to know. To some extent, you're right. That's where you're going is to that attorney to get that counsel and that advice. But that counsel and that advice is colored by what you provide them. And so the more information the attorney has, the better they can serve you. So things that uh, jump right off the page, if you have any existing legal documents, a will, a trust, a power of attorney, anything along those lines, uh, I would bring those. In fact, I wouldn't just bring them. I would send them to the attorney ahead of time and give them the opportunity 
opportunity to review it. So you're not staring at an attorney as they're reading, you know, these voluminous documents. Um, the second thing is if they were a veteran and they have a DD-214 discharge certificate, I would bring that. Uh, and then I'd probably uh, have laid out ahead of time what my goals of the meeting are um, and what my questions are. And again, if you can get that to the attorney ahead of time, because when the attorney sees that, they will know, okay, these are the areas that are really important to this client and I can tailor my meeting uh, to exactly what the client's wants and needs are. And I think that's what everyone hopes for when they go to it. So the more information you provide that attorney, I think the better you're going to get back. It's, you know, every everything in this world, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And so you give them all that information and you're going to get much better information coming right back to you. Even if you have never had previous documents done, uh, you should at least come in with an idea of, because if this is an estate planning meeting, you should have some idea about who you trust in life that you would appoint as agents or fiduciaries in various capacities and some idea of how you want your assets to be distributed. Certainly during the conversation or the consult with the attorney, if, if you they're going to be able to guide you and say, well, I want it to go to my children, but not necessarily in equal shares, or this child has issue, issue and this child has whatever going on. I don't like their spouse. <laughs> you know, the, the attorney yep. can kind of help craft around that about how to make that work. But um, I think it's helpful if somebody has at least an idea of, of where their money is going to go. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Barbara, because it, it is almost surprising when someone comes in for a meeting and, and hasn't given that question or those questions even a little bit of thought because you're, you're almost putting the cart before the horse. Like that, that information yeah. is, is critical. And I know both of us have had conversations with prospective clients like that, and they don't really have any idea after each other, assuming we're talking about a married couple, they're not real sure how it's getting to children and what kind of percentage and stuff. And you can work through that, but um, it's going to be a more productive meeting if you have some kind of idea. All right. Part of the vetting process, do do you look for specialty work, people that do estate planning, wills, trusts, criminal law, and um, bankruptcy? Or do you look for somebody that really specializes in an area? You know, you don't want, you may not want someone that does, tries to do everything, but look for specialty. Now, that's my bias, perhaps because we are specialists, but what do you think? I, I, I tend to wholeheartedly agree, Barbara. I, the, the old adage I use is, you know, you want to be with someone who might is only two inches wide, but two miles deep in their breadth of knowledge. And that's because this this type of planning and in every facet, it's the same thing with your, you know, your CPA who does your taxes. It's the same thing with your divorce attorney or if you had a personal injury attorney. The law has become so complex over the years and it's so dynamic with updates in case law. And, you know, we're seeing in the estate planning world with the Secure Act and the Secure Act 2.0, the law is constantly evolving. And I think it is just too difficult for certainly for the general practitioner, but even 
even for someone who tries and specialize in three or four different things, like you'll see commonly, you know, I do family law, estate planning, criminal law, and business. And it, it just gets very difficult to truly stay as a master in all of those. And so when you're looking for someone to do this, you want someone who does it every single day day in and day out. So when they hear your problem, they know here are the big issues right away. They know exactly what the solutions are for them and they can present it to you and say, listen, this is what I do. This is only what I do. I wouldn't go to my family law attorney to have my taxes prepared and, and rightfully so. And nor would my family law attorney want to be doing my taxes. They have their own You wouldn't think so, would you? No, yeah. no you wouldn't. Um, so do you, is there any reason to expect, you know, you kind of have this thought that I'm going in and I'm asking for powers of attorney and a will. Isn't that enough? Um, should you expect the attorney to talk to you about a trust? I would hope they would. I, I, I think at the end of the day, when you go see an attorney, you have important questions that need answers to. But oftentimes, as, as we have clients all the time who come in and they're like, I don't even know where to start. And we need those clients not just to make decisions. We need them to make informed decisions. And that means there's going to be an educational piece in the meeting. And so you can come in and say, oh, I just need a will and you know maybe a power of attorney. And, and maybe that is all you need. But let's lay out the kind of the ground rules of how all of this stuff plays out and then let you look at your situation. And now the individual has been empowered to critically analyze their own situation and say, okay, you know what? I understand that uh, doing a will kind of leaves me open on this side. We're doing a trust helps here. And then they get to make the personal decision and say, am I willing to take that risk here or there? Or, you know, if I'm doing a trust, I, I'm, it's a little more cost up front, but I'm going to be some larger savings on the back end. Uh, and lets them really analyze that and say, this is the plan that's right for me. And I think these days that gets harder and harder to do. I, I joke with clients all the time, you know, with Medicare plans, I think oftentimes our clients just throw up their arms or many of them and just pick one. And then they just kind of hope that nothing goes wrong. And that's an unfortunate way to do it. It's so complex. And one of the reasons why we offer that counseling service, that Medicare counseling service, but you're going to that attorney. Part of the reason you're going is to be informed and and be empowered so you can make the best decisions for yourself. I agree. And I think there's one last thing that I'd like to throw in the mix is just talking about the uh, notation of being certified in a particular area of specialty. Um, the certification as an elder law attorney with is a hard won designation. Um, the testing process is rigorous, and I think it helps differentiate uh, people that are committed to the practice area versus people that may have it just as part of their service package. Um, there are good elder law attorneys that are not certified, but um, I honestly, anyway. I'm going to just kind of endorse that. That whole idea of certification yeah. might be something that it's a differentiator anyway for, for folks to consider. Um, some of the best thing advice, though, is in summary to 
go prepared, do some research, go prepared. Don't be afraid to ask questions during the meeting. Look for someone you click with um, and know that the attorney may decline representation if they think that's what's in your best interest. And um, maybe it just means that you wandered into the wrong office, but most of the time uh, it's going to be a happy experience and you're going to feel better getting it all behind you. Right? That's right. That's exactly right. All right, Chris, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm, helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.